electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Fast Money does start right now with breaking news on what's been an incredible and historic week for the market. The Dow with a number of wild daily swings traveling more than 20,000 points this week with 2,000 point drops. At one point, the worst week for the Dow since the financial crisis. We were in correction territory and at the lows. But today, hope returned as the Dow swung in a wild 1,000 point range yet again. At one point, down 500, bouncing hard off of that late and surging into the close up more than 300 points. So is this a sign that we are closer to an end to the selling? And if, if, and if we are, are you inclined to put money to work? Is now the time to do it. Guy well, welcome, Scott. Great to have you on board. Love when Thank you're you. back with us on a Friday. Thank you very much. So the short answer is I don't think Quite the welcome, worst man. is over. But let me say this. If you've been looking for a tradable bottom, and Steve can tell you where we bounced off in terms of the S&P today, and he'll be spot on. But we talked about a day where the S&P, from trough to peak, moved 100 S&P handles. VIX closed lower. You know, you talked about it in the green room. This felt like one of those days where a tradable bottom is in. What does that mean? Again, I don't think the worst is over, but I'll say this. If nothing else today has given you a roadmap for how to trade certain stocks, for example, Goldman Sachs traded down to 239 and change. Use that as sort of a low if you want to get out on the downside. And there are other names as well, including Apple. But the best thing I can say about today is the reversal was real, traded off an important level, and VIX closed low. That was, uh, that was uh, off the record, by the way, in the green room. But uh, well, whatever. <laughs> I didn't say anything. What did I say? BK. Well, so what's interesting is the reversal happened today when the dollar started the weekend, too. So I think that's another clue going forward. You need to see a weaker dollar here. The worst case scenario for the equity markets in the long run are higher rates and a higher dollar. That's what you don't want to see. So today, you actually saw the dollar start to dive. And then about 20, 30 minutes later, you, stopped, you saw the S&P 500 start the bottom. So I think you can use that as your tradable bottom. I'm with Guy on this. I mean, at least the risk reward to step in here, you know where you're stopping. Is. Yeah. That's today's low on whatever stock you're involved in, and I think you got a good. But risk you have no idea here. what really caused the sell-off. What was it? The, was it was it the tenure, or was it risk parity? What was it? Well, it's all of it. Just take it. It's all of it. It was so, so How do you know when it ends, though? So you, you don't know. know. You, know. How you do don't know when it ends. The problem, the, the problem, though, is that two days ago when we had the market rally. You saw this bottom where you said, oh, my God, everything's great again. And then the market collapsed. The knees were taken out from it. Do you feel so, like because of the action today, we either found the bottom or we're finding it soon? The S&P, right, breaches the 200-day moving averages. Six handles hard, or so. Bounces I, I, hard off of that. I, th I think it's the positive. Low, that bounces hard off of that. I think it's positive that we researched that low in the 200-day, that we traded off 12 percent. Everyone was talking about how extended we were above the moving averages. But I don't know if it's done just yet because we don't know what caused it. Well, when are you going to know? When are you going to know? If, we, if next week now all of a sudden the risk parity guys again start ratcheting up, we start rallying, and in the middle of the day they sell the market off and we break these crucial levels well, again. Let's say, I mean, let's say we, we can you know, make an educated 
assumption and say that we think rates moving higher caused it. Some of the risk parity and some of the VIX products may have accentuated it. Right. But it's fears about inflation and rising rates. No. Yeah. Right. Well, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it happened on Friday. The, the employment or the uh, the payroll number came out and it spooked the market a little bit from an inflation perspective. But here's the deal: this was an absolute deleveraging from the standpoint of these, you know, uh, asset classes that shouldn't be considered asset classes, which is the VIX. It never should be considered an asset class. It was a complacent investment. People just sat there and short the VIX, and it became an explosive sort of ticking so time bomb. So yet? here's what I'll say. You had a lot of, a massive amount of pain happen over the past couple of days. Hedge funds. We were getting calls in the desk, you know, smaller hedge funds, sell 25, you know, 50 of this, whatever it may, de-risking de-risking because they're being forced to right now. They gave up so every day. Know they're done, though. So the volatility, you don't know. No, no, here's the thing. In times like this, you don't know when it's done. You'll have volatility for Never do. But it's a gift. Listen, it's a gift from my perspective because you look at it and you say, we shook out all the weak hands, all the weak investors are basically shaken out of this market. You've had de-risking. You're now having a readjustment of risk B- models, BK and, and that takes a period we've of time. All been, we've all been in this business for years, for a lifetime. Was this a different sell-off than we've ever seen before? It looked programmatic. It looked robotic. This, yes, whole week, this whole week seemed very different than any other sell-off that we've had. That being said, you're never going to know when the bottom is. I mean, we just don't know that. That's, the, that's trading, right? And by the time you realize what caused right, it and, so how it all, and how it all happened and when it's rallying, the rally's over. Did anybody take so a it's shot all at, about risk-reward. Did anybody take a shot in the market and buy yes. today? I bought yesterday. I bought today. I bought stocks that I've been watching all you know for the past six months. Like past what? year, I bought Intel. Intel touched above 50. They had a blowout quarter. The stock's trading at 43 bucks. Intel's a buy here, a screaming buy. Am I going to be wrong for a dollar or two? I might be, but I'll tell you, over the long term, that story's going to work. Micron's a buy. I mean, the airlines are a buy. I look at some of these industrials. Look at a UTX. Look at a Honeywell. Look at these names, a Boeing that has come in from, from really high levels. I think we're setting up here for a pick your spots. We're at adult swim right now. It's Kids out of the pool, and you better know what you're doing when you're trading stocks. So if you find stocks that you've watched and really, uh, you know, done the work on, it's it's a it's a it's a sale. They're on sale right Who now. Who else? Who else? Well, let me quickly. I started by saying I don't think I don't think the worst is over. I mean, I have I have reasons that I think this happened. Doesn't matter why I think it's happened, and I don't think the deleveraging is close to being over. I think they're, the derivatives books of some of these banks yeah. are ridiculous, but. I'll say this. This is the first time since last Friday that the market gave us a signal, at least, or something to trade off of in terms of a downside, which is, you know, you're going to get those along the way. I still think there's pain ahead. However, you did get, in the short term, I think, a pretty decent trade. The market is now as cheap as it's been, the cheapest it's been since Donald Trump was elected president. Right. Right. So if you thought the market was too expensive before, now it's back to where Donald Trump well, got elected. Right, yeah. Well, right. But also, interest, well, interest rates are higher, right? So there's that trade-off of what you're going to pay for stocks based on what the interest rate are. So that's what we're going through is this adjustment period. Now, just remember all what's going on here. We actually have a pretty good economy. It's not like the economy fell apart over the last week. So what happened was people mispriced bonds, they mispriced volatility, and now we have that adjustment period. And to me, I think, listen, it felt a lot different. There was certainly exacerbation by some of these VIX products. That had things sell off. But again, I think it's all about risk-reward. And the bounce today, to me, gave you a place that you can start so to Grasso, it sounds to me as though you're not ready to jump into this market. So, so I am long the market. So that, in fact, is if, if, I'm, if I'm still long the market, then I am bullish on the market sure. still. But if I do see these levels get taken out, I will start to trim. But you didn't I buy think anything the, today. I, I bought Rite Aid the other day, but it was a flyer for me. So I, I'm, I'm okay. I, I made a sale, and then I bought Rite Aid. 
for me, it's Netflix, it's NVIDIA, it's Amazon. You have to buy what worked before we sold off. Those are the things that will jump the most, in my opinion. All right. We mentioned it already, but just a reminder, the S&P bounced off a key technical level today, and that could be a bullish sign. For more, let's go to Carter Worth, a.k.a. the chart master, who is with the chart. Hey, Carter. Sitting here with the chart. Let's try to figure it out together. So uh, what we know is it's a little bit of sort of a reciprocal move from the strength that preceded it, which is to say, obviously, this was the best January in 21 years, up 5.6%, which, of course, is this wonderful thing. But what we also know is that we had this reciprocal February. Let's just look at it. So best January in 21 years, but now we're sitting here with the fifth worst February since the inception of the S&P in 1928, uh, down 7.2%. So where from here? There are a lot of reference points, some technical, uh, some so-called fundamental, but what we know is as of now, we have drawn down 11.84% from Friday, two weeks ago, to right here Friday, uh, Feb 9th, almost 12%. Now, sort of remember that number and put this in context. There have been, in the history of the S&P, if you look at all 5% plus corrections, 1928 to present, yeah, there have been 217 of these things. And remarkably, we are right in line, mean decline, median decline, and again, here we are now. So this has happened, again, 217 times, and as of now, it is right in line with precedent. So let's look at the charts. Here's a chart with no drawings, no judgments by me, and then here's a chart with a 200 moving average. All that a moving average is, here's the next chart, is an automated trend line. So uh, before computers, people had to draw lines. I originally did that myself, and now we automate the process by using a moving average. And what we know is we've come down to this line, come down to this line, and while we undercut it a little bit today, we seem to have bounced uh, there. The presumption is, that this is a decent reference point, down 10 plus percent, to put some money to work if one's not fully invested. And that uh, from here, we've sort of set our goalpost. That's what I'm thinking, that this high and the low will be in effect for a while and that we're likely to vacillate and back and fill. So if, if you were putting money to work on the low today, for instance, you, you were up almost 3% off the low, the plunge low. Yeah. Come on back over here. Bring them in. Yeah, bring absolutely. Them in. Bring them in. It's Friday. I want to make them feel bad going into the weekend. <laughs> you can't make Carter feel is, bad. Is it enough to, to test the 200-day one time? We could easily test it again. Sure. I mean, and notice that the intraday low today was the same low as Tuesday. We had this sort of mini double bottom in the futures and in the S&P. And often you do revisit a level having plunged to it. But in terms of technical parts, what they call a big tail, to have a plunge low and close on the high. Some people call it hammers. They talk about candlesticks. But the reality is that you, you have a capitulatory type behavior that then gives way to buying. So I think, again, the goalposts have been set to some extent. So when, when Scott just said, do we have to go back and test it again, when, when you broke it, even if for a couple of handles in the S&P, how important is that that we broke it, or is that just yeah, an overshoot for you? Yeah, that's nothing. I mean, you're talking about fractions within the context of a huge number, which is the, which is the aggregate. Sometimes you say, okay, we, if you break that, right? I hear, Grasso, you're on our air a lot talking about the technicals, where if you break those key levels, okay, then you could go down to X, and test that, the right. fact that we bounced above it That's is the wholly more bullish signal. That's um, right. That the buyers kept st stood up, came in at the lows, yeah. versus closing on the low. Right. That's what we did a week prior. We closed on the Friday low, and then we came in and puked on Monday. Carter, what's, what sectors look the best right now, technically? 
Yeah, I mean, I'm still in the you favor growth. I'm not into the cyclical trade. Yeah. I, I think industrials and some of that stuff uh, ha has issue. But it's idiosyncratic growth that ultimately will prevail. And if you look at the relative performance of things like Adobe or Amazon and what have you, they are actually, as the air coming down, they're outperforming the market on a day-to-day -day basis. So, Carter, what if we get this bounce, right? This, this is the low here. People have put money to work. What do they look for on the way up as we approach that high? Because you said we're going to hit that range. What do they look for for the signal of, okay, maybe I want to lighten up here? Well, so there are these sort of curious things like people talk about double tops and all that kind of stuff. But if you do ricochet back to a prior high, you inherently get to a difficult level. There's memory at a prior high. People who bought at the high only to be treated to a disaster. And when they get their money back, they want to take it. And then there's another kind of memory. The people who bought the low who, today, who then when it ricochets back to the high, say, my gosh, I made a lot of money. I got to book this. So you have memory from below, memory from above, which all comes together at the former high. Thanks, man. Have a good weekend. Thanks, guys. Yeah. All right. Well, no, no, yeah. don't say goodbye. You, he's going to be back here in like 18 oh, minutes. Yeah, that's have true. a good weekend. Uh, he's doing options well, action with you. Just chill yeah. out over there. I'll see you in yeah, a little bit. A little bit better. All right. Mel's gone. He's... Thinks he's the host. No, I don't think anything. <laughs> You're saying have a oh, good weekend. Oh, he's still coming on. back. Yeah, you're still on. Oh, I he's forgot the mic. coming I back. Realized the mics were hot. Here. Yeah. All right, still ahead. Energy's the worst performing sector this week, down 8%. But there is one name in the group that may well have found a bottom. We'll tell you what it is coming up. Plus, CEOs to the rescue. Will the C-suite of America's biggest companies jump in to buy their own stocks at a bargain and try to stop the selling like Jamie oh. Dimon did back in 16? Got those details as well. And later, Brian Kelly is back from his wild spring break in Cancun, where he was at a, quote, Bitcoin conference. <laughs> and he says there's one major crypto catalyst next week that everyone is missing. He'll explain much more. Fast is right after this. Welcome back to Fast Money. So what do you do when everybody is panicking? Put your money where your mouth is. That's what J.P. Morgan CEO Jamie Dimon did two years ago when stocks were tanking. Will other CEOs step up again this time? Our Dom Chu is in the newsroom with those details. Dominic. Well, Scott, the last time we saw a pullback, the likes of which we've seen over the last couple of weeks, you got to go back May 20th, 2015 to February 11th, 2016. That was when concerns about China and global growth were among the downside drivers in stocks. Between then record highs and the bottom, the large cap S&P 500 fell by around 15 percent. For now, that's bigger than the pullback we've seen since January 26th record highs. A lot of the factors went into the market bottoming out on that day. But one of the more notable market calls came not from a market tech or a bulge bracket investment strategist. It came from the CEO of J.P. Morgan Chase himself, Mr. Jamie Dimon. In a regulatory filing, we learned that Dimon himself bought a half a million shares of his own company's stock. At the time, it amounted to around a $27 million bet. J.P. Morgan stock hit a high of 117 and change just this past couple of weeks on January 29th. We're currently around 110 bucks a share right now, more than doubling his invested capital on that one trade. We're just two days away from the two-year anniversary of that big market call. On this latest downdraft, a big question is, will a big company CEO step up and make the same kind of valuation call on their stock that Jamie Dimon did a couple years ago? It could arguably be a big psychological boost for those worried about valuations or whether it's too late to get in on the bull market run. So will we look back and see if we end up calling our next bottom by another name of another big time CEO? Back over to you guys. All right, Dom, thanks very much. I was going to ask Dom a question, but I'll ask you, Grasso. Um, I mean, you're in earnings period right now, so it's not like you can come out and buy your stock during the diamond bottom 
it wasn't a blackout period, so that's when Jamie could do it. But a lot of people think that that buybacks are going to be a significant part of the market story this year. Yeah, I think ultimately the tax cuts, we have to see how they're going to have to spend this money. It's, it is a windfall for a lot of these different companies. So it is a tailwind. So we have to see how they're going to spend it. Is it going to be M&A? Are they going to invest? Is it going to be CapEx? They have immediate expensing. Or is it going to be buying back their stock? Why does it have to be or? It, it right. could be all three. It could be a combination. It could be all right. of them, but the problem is buying back your stock is frowned upon as there's no other option you know for what? you to do it. One, one of the things that I've, I've said in, in the past um, is that the bonuses to employees and raising minimum wage and doing all that, in some respects, could be cover for when you do the buyback, you're not getting hammered because you've looked after your employees at least somewhat. Um, and you intend to do it more. I don't ne- necessarily think that buybacks are going to be uh, such a negatively uh, looked at thing this time around. I, tr- I really don't. I think- no. Yeah. I don't either. I think they're, they're going to be looked at uh, you know, in a, as, a, as a new norm, or as not the new norm, but a normal. But I look at it and say, in general, um, you know, I look at some of the, 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 uh, the companies that have reported revenue right, uh, thus far, and look at the growth we've seen in revenue growth. Revenue growth is tremendous. So if it was just buybacks orchestrating you know, the earnings growth, that's one thing. We're seeing top-line growth as well, which is super positive in a lot of these companies. So I think that, coupled with stock buybacks, is, is a home run. So well, we, you, you need somebody like a Buffett to come out and buy, right? And, and and to say, you know what, there's still value in this market because that's the question we have right now is at these rates, what's the value? Buffett comes in, makes yeah. a big purchase, a big splashy purchase, then we'll call it the Buffett bottom. Hmm. The I Buffett think he bottom. probably is waiting like the rest of us to see where interest rates are going to go. Most likely. Right? But maybe on something like a GE, right? Maybe he comes in and buys that, does some sort of convertible note or something. Smart guy. Yeah. Who, Buffett, Buffett or Brian? I'll let you well, answer. BK's buying Bitcoin. It's the Bitcoin bottom, right? Yeah. I mean, yep. bit, there you go. Yeah, to me, it looked like Bitcoin bottom today. We think you're smart, even if he's questioning. <laughs> All right. Still ahead. In a week of unprecedented volatility, you know what was flat? What was flat? Uh, Bitcoin. Bitcoin futures. BK no. knows Bitcoin. Oh, I do. This is our, he's our resident crypto expert. He says there's one catalyst next week that could take it even higher. I'm Scott Wapner. You're watching Fast Money. We're back. Bitcoin holding above 8,000 today. And crypto investors have their eyes on a few events next week that could give the cryptocurrency a boost. Who else but BK is at the plasma with a little crypto class. Beeks? Yeah, I sure is. So we've got a couple things next week that I think people need to take a look at in Bitcoin. First of all, let's take a look at the regulatory progress. This week, we just had a home run grand slam from the SEC and CFTC on what the regulations are going to be here. Basically, they said there are rules out there. We're going to not stifle innovation. That progress could be huge for Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies. Secondarily, and I think this could be the fuel for this for the, the catalyst next week, Wyoming, not that they vote on crypto uh, positive bills, but they're introducing some crypto positive bills, stuff where tokens will be exempt from certain rules, make it easier for innovation to happen. That's going to be a big one to watch. And then there's a big conference next week in Dallas, Texas. Usually around these conferences, you get quite a bit of news coming out, generally pretty positive. The conference I just came back from, people were quite positive about this. Yes, things have come down a bit painful, but nobody stopped building on it. Nobody stopped investing. So let's take a look at Bitcoin itself, see how it's doing here and where we are technically. Obviously had this big drop down here. Last week I highlighted 7,900. We did a little bit of a dead cat bounce off of that. 
Now, 5,900. That's where we got around 6,000. We got there the other night. That, to me, again, looked like a capitulation move. And what's interesting is that's the support resistance area just before we had this huge run-up when Bitcoin futures were announced and everybody was starting to get into it. So, from my eye, I think this one holds. I think you're safe, at least risk-reward-wise, to start putting money back into Bitcoin here. All right. David Seaberg, what do you think? Yeah, no, I agree with uh, Brian in general. I think the regulatory stuff is super important. I, it's very important just to make sure you can get that institutional investor at some point into this game. And I look at it and say, we saw sort of some deleveraging with some issues that was that occurred with Tether. At the end of the day, I think the, the, the names to buy are these protocol layer tokens. I love Ethereum. I think Ethereum is the one to own here. Grasso? The, the one thing that I own in the space is Overstock, and I own it because of its blockchain, and I think BK would agree with me. This is the way I play it. I don't have to bet on a coin. I bet on blockchain. That's the thing that's def definitively not going away. All right. It's time for the final no. trade. Uh-oh. It is, right? Yeah. Already. Yeah. We're going around the horn. Grasso, you're first. Twitter had an incredible week. I've been long the name. I'm still long the name. It popped aggressively. It's, if it holds here above 30, it's still good to get back in if you got out. First uh, first profit ever. Uh, yeah, first profit ever. I look at Snapchat, just to take the other side. I, I'm a seller of Snapchat here. 17-time forward sales. Uh, this is a stock that is, they're, they're jamming ad loads to their user base. I think that's no good. So I look at it and say, too expensive here, sell it. Okay. BK? Well, for me in this environment, I want to look for somebody or something that's going to do well in a high volatility environment. People have been lamenting low volatility. Goldman Sachs should do well here. Nice bounce to that. This is coming up. Big. Are you big. ready I mean, for? I mean, they're going to challenge you. They're on all LA. big. Very smart show. Carter, this, Mike, Dan. Mm -hmm. This one is going to be epic. I, think. I can't wait. I'm going to watch it. And Prudential Financial, I got to tell you, Mike Financial flew all the way in for this. He one. did. <laughs> Boy, his arms are. Uh, Prue. Interest rate, Prue? extraordinarily interest rate sensitive uh, financials. PRU gets you done. Guys, have a good weekend. You too. You too, right, Scott. Scott. That does it for us here at Fast Money. We are off the next two weeks for special coverage of the Winter Olympics. But do not worry. Head over to our Twitter account at CNBC Fast Money. We will keep you updated with instant analysis on the market's moves from the traders. And in the meantime, tune in for full coverage of everyone's favorite Olympic sport curling right here on CNBC. Options action starts right after this quick break. The spirit of performance defines Acura. And now it's electric. Introducing the all-electric ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. While what powers their cars may change, the energy that makes Acura never will. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system and up to 313-mile range on a single charge, and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is everything they said electric could never be. It was built with the driver in mind, just like Acura's been doing since the beginning. We could talk all day, but the only way to experience this electric performance is to drive it yourself. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com.